the House will vote on a $2 trillion stimulus lifeline. Among many provisions, extending unemployment and direct payments up to $1,200 to most Americans. This is the envelope thousands of jobless Georgians are waiting for. Inside is a state-issued debit card worth up to $365 a week. It's a fraction of what most of them need. I just got a uh, $300 check from the U.S. government as a part of their tax rebate program. The idea here was that a certain group of people who earned a certain amount of money would be given, sent a check for $300 by the U.S. government, and that check would be used to stimulate the economy. So they sent these $300 checks. I knew this wasn't going to work because nobody, nobody got a $300 check and looked at it and went, son of a bitch, free at last. All $300 did was remind people how fucked they are. What the hell is that? Yes, my name is Brian. What would you say you do here? Stone on air. I'm so happy I could die. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy I could die right now. I'm so happy since you left me. I could die because I'm so and just kill me now. Welcome in, everybody. It is the supposed for-profit venture known as the Stone on Air podcast. Used to be delivered in weekly installments on Wednesdays. Hell, I got some free time now. Maybe I'll get back to doing that. I don't know. We'll see. Kind of in a holding pattern in all things in life. Pretty much all of us are at this point. Anybody new to the show, my name is Brian Stone. I have been in and out of radio for 18 years. I am now out of radio again. I'll get more to that here in just a few. I started putting this show together on uh, Friday. I guess also if you're new to the show, I'm Brian Stone. How are you? I am fine. At Stone on Air on all social media. And uh, there you go. This is just my commentary on the passing parade of life. And on the front end of that uh, of the open there, I put that together get into the weekend probably. Because the, uh, whatever, the stimulus program, the stimulus, whatever the hell it is, $2 trillion that are going to be sent out with uh, 1200 I guess is what they say, to every person, maybe, sort of, kind of, uh, bailouts to uh, corporations, there's uh, small business loans, big big business loans. I'm not real sure, I haven't read all of it. I haven't read any of it, what am I talking about? I have even barely glanced at it. But it got me thinking to, was it 2004, I think, when uh, Bush, maybe maybe it was more like 2006, I don't remember, but did the, the rebate tax program where everybody got like 300 bucks? I think I got 300 bucks. And if you had kids, maybe you got six or nine or 1,200 or whatever. And it really was so true at the time that all that $300 did was remind you how screwed you really were. Now, this is a different set of circumstances, most definitely. And right now, a $1,200 deposit into old First Horizon, as they're called now, or is it just regular Horizon? The old First Tennessee Bank, anyway. Have uh, some money dropped in there where the radio station money used to go. Would sure as hell get me through an April and into a, through a May also as well much easier. So uh, I will take that money. Yes. Yes, I will. Whether I vote for a president or not, if we are in a hardship like we're in right now, and the American public needs help, I'm going to take it. I saw somebody, and he's a friend of mine. I'm not going to he doesn't listen to this, but it was like, if you don't vote for the, the GOAT, greatest of all time, and you cash that check, you're dead to me. It's just like, this, this is the wasteland of, of Facebook for you and why I spend so little amount of time on that 
social media platform. Let's take a look here. I got a handful of things I want to touch on. The brand new podcast, the Project 423, is on iTunes and um, Spotify, YouTube channels. Got the video for the first show with Strung Like a Horse. Because of where we're at right now in the quarantines, there won't be another show where I'm with a band anytime soon. Might do one here before the week is over, into this weekend, maybe do something on the phone with two or three different uh, local guys and gals and maybe play some of their live music. I haven't really brought the idea up to anybody, but I already know a few people that would jump out of their shoes to do it. So maybe that will be coming up, hopefully anyway. Uh, Leaving a review on that podcast and this podcast would always help me as I try to uh, make this thing profitable into it's going to end up being into 2021 nobody wants to spend any money on advertising nobody is interested in your podcast or hell at this point your radio show or your radio station and so i just need to continue to gather content and try to uh, do this same thing that i've been doing for going on for years now today is april 1st if you are downloading this on the day that it is first available which i know almost every single one of you do It is April Fool's Day. Now, I think that this day should be eliminated of any kind of hijinks or extracurricular activities or pranks and jokes every single year. But I think even more specifically now, this year, because I don't think there's just about anybody walking around on the planet, but certainly in this country, that is overly enjoying themselves right about now. And having to put up with numbnut jokes, April Fool's pranks, and all this nonsense, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't encourage it. And if you see somebody doing it, shame them for the ridiculous and the downright disrespectful nature and the rudeness that is an April Fool's Day prank, especially during a worldwide economic crisis and a pandemic-inducing quarantine. Please, thank you very much. Keep your April Fool's jokes to yourself. Of course, I was supposed to be headed to Nashville for Pearl Jam tomorrow night and my birthday is next Friday so yeah I'm a real real happy camper right about now let's take a look what the show is going to be like the rest of the way it'll be a three segment show the final segment will be I did this many years ago or at least a couple years ago and I got some pretty good feedback and it was fun to do it's kind of difficult to do but it's fun and I'm taking the vocals out of songs you've heard of now I ran out of time because of all the changing nature of things happening this week which I'll get to in a minute so I only have three technically it's almost four you'll find out towards the end of the show but pulling the uh, the harmonizing vocals out of rock songs and then kind of layering them back on top of each other just for no other reason than to have fun I already thought of going into this week because I've been in such a bum move overall. But I didn't want to talk about Trump and I didn't want to talk about coronavirus, at least not specifically into a, you know, into a segment. I didn't want to talk about the the twelve hundred dollars other than just mention it. I didn't want to talk about deficits. I didn't want to talk about anything except for just silliness. And that's what I was trying to start doing into the weekend. And then, you know, this other stuff came up. But I'm going to do that in the final segment of the show. I got three in particular, kind of four. You'll know what I mean when we get there. And in the second middle segment of the show, I'm going to review. I'm going to go over everything I watched over the first full actual quarantine weekend here at my house, all the things I watched and what I thought about them, and uh, that might do something for you. It might not. I don't know. Just another way to keep it light, breezy, and fluffy and not be too serious. But, of course, all that started at the beginning of the weekend because I knew I wasn't going to go anywhere or do anything other than things around the house. So I thought, well, what the hell? Let's get a head start on the podcast, and that way I won't be so rushed By the time Monday rolls around. And so I started the pre-production 
And then I got into the new work week here, and then I found out on Tuesday early afternoon that my position at this little music radio station here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, alternative rock music, I guess you would call it, 90s, the 2000s, and um, and the music that matters, the new music discoveries now, that position has now been eliminated. I am no longer an employee at that radio station, which totally sucks, uh, but not overly surprising, or really not surprising whatsoever. So I'll come back to that in a minute. I'm going to start over here, just kind of, not from the beginning, but give an overview, you know, where I've been and what I've been thinking over the last, you know, decade or so. I used to be, you know, gotcha guy, right, in the business of blow it up guy. You know, I'm over here trying to make some noise and and uh, be controversial, and, oh, I, I'll say, yeah, I said it, that kind of stuff. And I, I'm not in that business anymore. Um, I was happy to work for that radio station. Bay Hackle Communications is the name of uh, that one here locally. And over the course of the last, you know, 10 years, I've been through three of the four uh, local clusters here, and then for the, you know, almost 10 years before that, I was with just one, Cumulus. So I've had a, quite a bit of experience with a lot of different stations and and clusters and I've been let go from all of them and I you know anybody who knows anything about me at all already knows how the whole talk radio thing went on I blew up everybody over there I spent I spent years um I was bitter as hell then though and and that was just a firing that was unjust and it wasn't cool and you likely already know the story and if you don't just search the podcast out you'll find it if you're that curious about it if you don't already know but I was really pissed and I had every reason to be but I did just lay that on heavy and thick and to a certain degree of like, all right, enough, dude. Enough, bro. We got it. Like, we, you're, you're, you're pissed off, all right? Thanks, thanks, but get some new material. When I was let go from uh, Brewer Broadcasting in 2009, I blew up the general manager, called him an asshole and, you know, some other sm- smart, sarcastic, you know, wise guy stuff on Facebook. When Facebook wasn't new, but to the general public it was. And they ended up actually hiring me back even after that and then fired me again. Um, I had a conversation with, uh, I won't tell you who, but he used to work with, uh, with the, the cluster that just let me go today, Bayhackle, for years uh, in the evenings. And um, at, uh, at, hell, I'll just tell you, Hits 96, his name is Sean, and he is now the uh, PD over at Rock 105 at the local cluster called Intercom. And he had just been let go from Bayhackle, and I was just about to get hired there. So that was about two and a half years ago, a little over that. And I didn't know for sure whether I was going to get hired, but it felt like I was because I had a lot of allies, if you will, inside of the building that were going to bat for me. And I can't remember the conversation whatsoever, word for word, but I'll paraphrase. It was basically he said he was talking to management the week before that and had said, hey, well, why wouldn't you hire Brian, for this position, for this Alt 98.7 station. Why wouldn't you? He's perfect for what your target demographic here is. He knows the music. He knows the landscape. He knows how to do radio well. I mean, why not? And the answer basically was, well, I get that. You're, You're right. But what if I have to fire him? Something along those lines. Meaning, what happens when I have to let him go for whatever reason and then he gets on a podcast or on social media and starts making us look foolish. Because I'm not a, you know, just blow him up with a bunch of expletives, you know, and name calling and uh, just just juvenile, you know, stupid shit. I actually, I put a lot of 
effort and creativity into my shaming of a former employer, and a lot of people get a kick out of it. And I think his thought was, yeah, I'd love to hire him, but geez, what happens if if I ever have to fire him? And that's just not me anymore. Um, I value the things I have in life too much. I value the uh, the relationships that I've made in this city too much, with the exception, though, still, those frauds over at Talk Radio 102.3 and KZ10 sucks and Scott Chase and, uh, and uh, a lot of the people aren't there anymore now over at Scumulus Chattanooga. Uh, people would regularly tell me back in the day, man, you got to be careful. You don't want to burn those bridges. You know, you get told that a lot, especially when you're young in your 20s, first getting into a professional setting. And that that's wise. You know, that's that's good advice that most people should take. But there's also a certain level when you get to a place in a professional uh, setting to where it's like, hey, this isn't always about employee and employer and that the employee has to be the one that doesn't you know, that doesn't burn a bridge or doesn't torch a relationship. I have viewed it from day one, and I still view it now. Scumulous Chattanooga burnt the bridge with me. I don't want to work for your disgustingly awful radio stations and your trash-ass management. I got no interest in working for any of those frauds. That bridge was torched, napalmed, and ignited by them. I didn't burn it down. They did. But this situation is very, very, very much different. Um, I really did uh, enjoy my time working for Bay Hackle Communications. I started in October of 17, so that would have been one year and four months after being fired by the frauds at uh, Cumulus Chattanooga, and that was a long year. I was short on cash. I was bummed. I was very depressed. I was very upset that my lifelong radio gig had gone away, and getting that that job with Alt 98.7 really kind of it 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 brought me out of that because first of all this company gave me a lot of freedom to do whatever I wanted. Now I think a lot of that is just lackadaisical management, to be perfectly honest with you, and maybe not paying enough attention. I'm not sure, and I don't care. Didn't, that didn't bother me any. Their management style and how they conduct business every day is their problem. I was just able to kind of do what I wanted to do. Because I knew what I was doing, and uh, I think that was kind of the trade-off. Hey, you know what you're doing. Don't push it too far. Don't be too big of an idiot. And I get it, and I know it. And for two and a half years, and I got to come in every day and do three or four hours of drive time radio on a very small signal that a lot of people really liked, and I really, really did enjoy it. I'm going to read just a couple of uh, comments and messages I got today, and I, uh, I really do appreciate that kind of stuff, and I really did feel it. I felt it out in the market. I felt it when I'd go out to the... You know, to the local places, to the signal uh, for a show, people regularly saying and <laughs> regularly be like, man, I listen to your show. That's great. And I'm like, oh, cool. The podcast? Oh, no, no, no. The, the radio station. Oh, I'd rather you listen to the podcast, but I get it. And I was able to cross promote that a lot. It was a very good vehicle engine for me to try to continue to push what I enjoy the most, which is the spoken word format. But about almost two weeks ago, Actually, it was two weeks ago today. It was uh, two Wednesdays ago. I got a call from my GM, and I was just pulling into the station to do that day's work. And he was like, you know, hey, man, well, you know, made just a small joke about, not joke, but like, hey, you know, social distancing, Kent, you know, don't want to come up to the office, but uh, just want to let you know we're going to suspend the uh, shifts here at Alt for at least, you know, the foreseeable future, temporary anyway, and see 
where we're going to go because of all this uh, COVID-19 stuff. And, it, you know, okay. I mean, I get that. A lot. Well, Lord knows most everybody is doing certain levels of that anyway in most industries. And so, okay, got a hold of Wendy. She's on earlier just to make sure I wasn't just being pushed out by with a bad, bad excuse. And she was bummed. She got the same call back to back. We had just taken the same call. And so I'm thinking, okay. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought about it, I went on the air that day and I even asked, I said, well, what do you think? Should I, should, I mean, I, I don't want to just disappear. I need to at least mention I'm not going to be here. And he's like, yeah, maybe just mention it a couple of times. I got on the air and talked about it every break, 21 breaks all day long. I was like, I'm not going to leave the airwaves and not tell everybody, you know, at least that I'm not going to be here tomorrow or the foreseeable future. And me and Wendy both were kind of bummed that we thought, you know what? This very well might be the end. Um, I can't speak for her, but I did go home and say, the chances are I'm done at that radio station. And whether you want to call it an excuse or, you know, I don't know. But six people were let go on what we might want to just go ahead and call Black Tuesday. And I won't tell you who they are just to keep their uh, privacy held. And if you want to know that bad, I'm sure you can find out. But here's the email. It's, as a result or a heavy decline in revenue brought about by cancellations in connection with the COVID-19 virus, it has become necessary to reduce our number of employees. Those valued employees who are no longer with our company today are, and then the six names, including mine, we wish each one of them the very best, and I thank them for their service to this company. More details later on restructuring to cover the positions left. Blah, 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 blah. So I'm not mad. I'm very disappointed because I, I did dig the gig, and I did enjoy the income. It was It's one of those amounts of money that it's not really a lot of money, except that it kind of is. So that's going to be difficult to make up, especially when nothing is open. Nobody's open for business. Nobody's buying advertising. Nobody is doing anything except for losing their ass financially. It's going to take a while to be able to, um, to, to fix that portion of my life, but I'll worry about that more later. A couple messages I got through um, Instagram and Facebook as I put out very cordial and very polite. Just, hey, here's the deal. I'm on my way out. I've been informed that this position no longer exists. I wish the best for everybody involved, which five, six, seven, eight years ago, certainly 10, 12 years ago, I'd have never done. I'd have, blown, <laughs> I'd have been pissed. Let's see. It says uh, this is from Chetanel. What is 98.7 going off the air? Smi uh, frowny face. Sorry about your drive. Loved the ride home listening to you. This is from Caroline, I believe. Oh, wow. I'm in shock. You've been my favorite radio host for the past few years. I used to deliver pizza and listen to you every night of the week. I'm sure you'll get beyond to bigger and better things, but listening to 98.7 won't be the same without you, that's for sure. And just a few from Facebook here, and I'll wrap up this opening segment. Jeremy says, sorry, man, I really enjoyed hearing you on the air again. That sucks, says Jeff. I enjoyed listening after work. Bree says, no, I love your show. Dana says, dang, you were the reason I listened. Josh says, stone on air forever. Ronnie, sorry, man, you're the best. No, you're the best. Rebecca Cruz-Styles, I love you. She says, no, sorry to hear this. Brian, let us know if there's anything we can do to help. Again, I, this is just a part-time gig. I'm, I'm going to be just fine, but I really do uh, I do appreciate this stuff. It makes me, feel, makes me feel really good. Paul says, sorry to hear this. I always enjoyed listening, especially when you would express your appreciation for Pearl Jam. Hashtag, I'm still alive. Eric says, WTF, you were the best DJ at that station. Adrian says, 
What the hell? Who's going to tell me it's time to go to the house at 5 p.m.? Who's going to play all the R.E.M.? Who's going to hate on Greta Van Fleet? Thankful Tuesday for you, Brian. <laughs> and I used to just dorkily name all the names of the week, like a mandatory Monday, a terrific Tuesday. That's what the thankful Tuesday for you, Brian. And I always hated on Greta Van Fleet and played a lot of R.E.M., Pearl Jam and all that. And even my bosses would give me a hard time like, man, will you stop talking about how much you hate Greta Van Fleet? So in response to that, naturally, I would just continue to sarcastically talk about how much I loved them when anybody who knew any better realized I was just continuing to clown and hate on that stupid-ass band, Greta Van Fleet. Thank you for sitting through that first 20 minutes of the show. I will give you two more segments of fluff pieces. If you want to bail out now, go right ahead. Coming up next, I will be looking back at my first official quarantine weekend of TV binge-watching. It should be some riveting programming, and it's coming up next. More of Stone on Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. What they need most of all is a sense of unity and a sense of economic security. It's kind of a floor underneath them. And the Nazis provide this by talking about, you know, state intervention in all sorts of areas to create employment, building the autobahns, things like that. In violation of the treaty... Hitler builds up his army, testing the tolerance of the Allies. Gambling, but no one wants to start another war. He introduces compulsory military service in 1935 and marches back into the Rhineland the following year with 30,000 troops. If you think about Hitler's long-term plan, it is to consolidate his position on the European continent, defeat the Western powers, France and Britain. And then he's going to turn his attention to the east, which he sees as the natural field for German expansion, a place where that he can then build out the German population, gather in resources, and defeat the monster of Bolshevism, which he sees as being kind of the blood enemy of fascism. Aye, oh, let's go. Aye, oh, let's go. Aye, Welcome back oh, into the show. Blick screen bop Aye, from the Ramones. Of course, that's a cut from... One of the many things I watched this weekend, World War II in color. And it's it's amazing to find out how ignorant you are and woefully uneducated that one can be until you watch 10 hours of World War II comprehensive breakdown and an incredible uh, re- uh, retouched, re-envisioned, colorized footage from the entire war. It was one of the things I watched uh, over the weekend. And uh, I've always been really big, not a history buff, as they would say, right? Not this, like, scholar of, you know, American or world history. But growing up through middle, certainly into high school and then beyond, I have had a fascination and I guess I would say even before middle school like all of, of of growing up and in learning in academic settings history to me has always been interesting because to me it wasn't it wasn't like you know math and science and uh whatever the hell else, what else we do grammar you know English stuff like that to me that was that was a chore that was something that I had to sit down and like figure out what it meant and what the definition was and how to use it properly in a sentence and how to carry the one and how to, you know, boil some water or whatever. And none of that stuff interests me. And I did okay in a lot of those subjects throughout my my K through 12 years because I had to. 
but history classes, and then early on when they were sometimes lumped in and called social studies, I always really enjoyed. I, I, was, I gravitated towards it. I actually enjoyed it and was entertained, if that's the right way to put it. Maybe entertained isn't Maybe just natural curiosity slash mild fascination made me continue to want to read a little bit more and know a little bit more and understand a little bit more. And that just continued to, to grow more and more and more as I got older and into my 20s and 30s and now into my, you know, I'm 40 in a week and I, I continue to love it and absorb it to this day. Now, I don't know if I got good grades in it. I don't remember that at all. I know I placed 10th in the history B once. I think I was in eighth grade maybe I was, maybe it was ninth or tenth grade I can't remember if it was at Boyd or at Ulawa but it was like a spelling bee except they ask you history questions and I made it to the top 10 I was the first one as the tenth one into the final 10 and I missed whatever the question was so I uh, I don't know what my grades were but I'm you know you've heard me in the past I don't give a shit what your grades are did you actually learn anything and in those settings I did but even even then at, th- at those ages it's hard to process to understand ideological warfare. It's hard to understand exactly what a holy war is when in America we really only teach Christianity and everything else is just a bunch of hogwash, right? So when you read about and you're taught about World War One, which I believe that we're not hardly taught anything about as young people, and at least not in my setting or I didn't pay attention, and then more specifically World War Two, it's hard to understand the landscape of the of the world in Europe and Asia, the Middle East, and uh, the, the Great Britain and the United Kingdom. It's hard to understand how a little tiny country like Germany could have one guy that could come, you know, I've got my thumb and my index finger about an inch and a half apart, that close to getting to a position to take over power of at least half the world, if not all of it. And then even if you did somehow grasp what was going on in those studies to remember it and, you know, retain it for the rest of your life or for any long stretch of time if you're not continuing to study such a um, fascinatingly complicated, primitive stretch of world history and wartime history. And I mean primitive in the sense of what we're used to now. At the time of World War II, that was some of the most technologically advanced war or the most technically advanced war at the time. Of course, that would be true with every war that happens after that. What's my point? My point is I watched a lot of TV this weekend and I ended the weekend on 10 hours of a Netflix World War II in color. And it is 10 episodes, an hour apiece, nonstop flowing, no breaks. And it's all just footage with some commentary in between for short periods of time of old black and white footage from the war that was colorized. And there was so much that I remembered kind of and 10 times more of that that i was like holy whoa what hmm wow holy bleep i didn't know any of that and i was gonna watch one or two like let's see what this is all about 10 hours later i had watched the entire thing and to be fair i was working around the living room and in and out of the kitchen a little bit so i didn't have my eyes fixated on every minute of it but certainly enough of it it was really, really good stuff, and uh, since we're all going to have a lot of time to watch TV, I highly recommend it. But it got me thinking, watching how close Adolf Hitler came to taking over large portions of the Eastern Hemisphere, which in the end would have very much potentially uh, been a detriment to the United States of America, 
It got me thinking of the stand-up that uh, Norm Macdonald did just a couple of years ago. Give me about a minute on this one. The entire Earth, there's only one country that frightens me, and it's the country of Germany. I don't know if you guys are students of history or not, but... <laughs> for those of you who aren't, Germany, in the previous century, in the early part, they decided to go to, to war. And who did they choose to go to war with? The world. <laughs> so you think that would last about five seconds and the world would fucking win and, you know, that'd be that. <laughs> but it was actually close. And then, <laughs> then 30 years pass and Germany decides to go to war again. And once again, they choose as their foe, the world. And now, this time, they really almost win. So at this point, you would think the world would go, okay, Germany, you're fucking not a country anymore. <laughs> All right? The fuck? You're not a country because you keep going to war with the world. And no one does. What do you think you are, Mars? <laughs> it's such good stuff. Uh, so that was fun. Did that all day on Sunday. And let's see. Let me pull up my list. And uh, I'll make this uh, pretty quick. All right, there it is. Started on Friday with Echo in the Canyon. I've been wanting to watch this uh, rock talk for quite some time. It is the uh, Laurel Canyon in the hills of Hollywood, and it turns out that there was like a little community there, and I would kind of been somewhat familiar with it, but not really, that put out so much incredible music over the course of just a few years and it was worldwide influencing on as far-reaching as the Beatles to bands you've never heard of. Bands like Mama and the Papas, uh, Buffalo Springfield, which is uh, one of my old-time favorites because of my Neil Young fascination. It's Neil Young, Stephen Stills, and Richie Foray. Uh, who else? Oh, well, hell, the Beach Boys were the, the main driving force because they were the most popular that would come out of there. Uh, who was another one? John Sebastian, whoever he was playing with. I'm going on only, um, only memory right now. But it was this this sound. It was almost like you know my, our version, depending on how old you are, but of, of the Seattle sound for a few years in the early '90s. That was the Laurel Canyon sound, and uh, that was not far away from where the Manson murders were and the the, the Madman Genius and uh, just mental deterioration of Brian Wilson and the uh, interaction and collaborations that the, Be the Beach Boys had. It was a great... I didn't touch on any of the Manson stuff on this one. I've just watched that in other rock docs. But that was where I started off the weekend. Then found a Netflix, the other one, Bob Weir. And I first thought, okay, I just got done watching Amazon's What a Long Strange Trip. It's like four hours long, I think. And I already knew quite a bit about The Grateful Dead to begin with. And I thought, surely there's no way I can watch this and find out anything I didn't already know. Uh, eh, I was wrong. Lots of information that I didn't know much about and a couple I didn't know anything about. The other one, Bob Weir, you should definitely take a look at. Next, found a rather low budget, surprisingly enough, because it was executively produced by, if not one of the Gallagher's, I'm pretty sure it was both of them, the Brothers Gallagher from Oasis. It's called Supersonic Oasis, and it was good. Two hours, a little longer than it needed to be. Two hours and 20 minutes or so. Didn't tell me much I didn't already know, maybe a little bit, but it's always fun to watch uh, the, the hooligans that were the band Oasis in the 90s because that's primarily what it focused on. Went from there to uh, something I didn't 
learn anything I didn't already know about, but it was still enjoyable to watch. American Experience from PBS, the original Woodstock. I'm not going to go so far to say I'm a Woodstock historian, but I have done a lot of podcasts on it over the years, lots of reading on it over the years. I went to Woodstock 99. You likely already know that. So nothing I didn't already know, but it was still enjoyable. So that gets me into Saturday, and at that point, I realized I need to get caught up on Better Call Saul because Season 5 had started what I didn't realize now was almost two months ago. And I started watching the new season because I thought I had finished the end of Season 4, Better Call Saul. And I had not finished it. I forgot that I turned my cable off. Or, excuse me, let me rephrase that. I turned my cable off shortly after that, but before I turned it off, I had a power surge in the house that blew out my uh, my surge protector and ruined my DVR box from P- EPB, so I couldn't DVR. Well, cable TV without a DVR is effing worthless, and I missed the last four episodes of Saul because I didn't have a box to DVR it, and I forgot all about that. So I started watching season five, and I'm like, I don't know what the hell's going on. It's like I'm watching a show I've never even seen before. Well, I found it on Netflix, caught up with four episodes of Better Call Saul, and did a little YouTube reminders. And I thought, okay, this show's good again. Can't wait to get to season five. So I got caught up there. Then, as I mentioned before, the 10 damn hours of World War II in color, which was exhaustingly fun. And then on Monday, my uh, girlfriend says, hey, I found a new show. And it turns out I'd already heard of it, but I forgot that I'd heard of it. She's like, hey, you like Oliver Stone, right? And she knows that because she's seen I have a wall full of a bunch of his docs and DVDs uh, that used to be on a shelf that's now packed away in the garage somewhere. But I haven't watched much of anything he's done in a while. And this is called the, oh, hell, I don't have it in front of me right now. It's the uh, something along the lines of history like you've never heard it before. And we all know that Oliver Stone likes to fictionalize history. He's kind of kind of what he does. So the first three episodes of this series is uh, World War II. And then episode four is the Cold War, which would uh, precede World War II and then continue for basically 50 years. And since all that World War II history that I just just crammed the night before, the day before, was still fresh, I wanted to watch that too, three or four hours of it. Just to see if I saw any major, you know, inconsistencies between the two stories. And overall, of course, they were two different end results of what they were trying to accomplish. I didn't see a whole lot, but it was uh, it was fun to watch it because I was like, oh, yeah, I remember I was just watching all that yesterday. Oh, geez, I'm watching the same thing over and over again. I mean, just my brain is just exhausted from too much TV. So that was my official first quarantine weekend. Most people's first mostly quarantine weekend was the week before that, but I spent majority of the weekend, or at least all of Saturday, at Songbird South for the Strung Like a Horse quarantine show, the concert, which you can see some of on the YouTube video for the Project 423 podcast. Search it out anywhere you get your podcast. Put in the Project 423. I'll have local musicians, local Chattanooga people, local stuff, local content creators to talk to, hopefully coming in the near future, maybe even weekly, but certainly on a monthly basis. Coming up this week, I guess I will eventually dive into Better Call Saul. It is time to give Ozark Season 3 a look. I see varying uh, opinions on that show, mostly good, but a few that uh, are haters on it. I like it. Looking forward to Season 3. And then just trying to find a bunch more docs into this weekend 
as I continue to quarantine and chill, bro. Coming up next, we'll pull some vocals out of songs you've heard of, throw them back together, and just have a little fun on the way out. This is a Stone On Air podcast on April Fool's Day, yet don't you dare play an April Fool's joke. My name is Brian Stone, and I will be right back. Now back to more Stone On Air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. StoneOnAir.com take some of the tracks out here I can mute this you could hear the bass and and the drums Dave and Chris had a great groove going so after we did the basic take and had Kurt's vocal down uh, we had Dave come in and do harmonies on the chorus so that was the first thing that we added to the track Their voices sound pretty cool together. Very similar tonal quality. And I thought it might sound better if they doubled it because it's going to just make it fuller and a little bit richer. So we went back and... Uh, Kurt did a double track. So that's Kurt doubled. And of course, that sounded good, but then we thought, well, if we get to double Kurt, we might as well double Dave, too. So then we went in. Welcome back in. That is Butch Vig from a rock doc called Never... I think it's just called Nevermind from several years ago. Butch Vig was a producer for so many legendary 90s bands and then went on to be quite... I wouldn't say legendary, but certainly very notable in the scene towards the mid to late 90s as the drummer of the band Garbage. And he sits down at his soundboard and has all the tracks to Nevermind, but in this case specifically, more specifically, uh, in Bloom, and he's just pulling up the tracks one by one and pulling them in and pulling them out, as you just heard. It's fascinating stuff. I've used this on the radio many times back in the day, and I'm pretty sure I used this exact same thing on a podcast which in the within the last three or four years, and uh, I'd like to think that you've been here listening to this show over and over again every single week for three or four years, but the chances are you probably haven't, and... This week, or going into this week, I have decided that I just don't want to do anything that's controversial. I don't want to do anything that is going to potentially turn anybody off, but it's very difficult to narrow cast down into something that people are actually going to be interested in. And then I got, you know, budget cut, laid off, fired, whatever you want to say, from the radio station. So it just kind of conglomerated into this this podcast right here. And so I started into the weekend with three songs that I was trying to pull the different varying harmonizing lyrics out of the music and then putting them back in just, I don't know, for the fun of it. Why, Brian? I, I don't know. Why do I do anything? And I, I think I did Black Hole Sun once a while back ago. And a lot of these and several others I can't remember, but to find the soundboard recordings where they pull out the 
the harmonizing is very difficult to find because really only the producers, executive producers, and the band really should even have that audio overall, the raw audio anyway. And you can go to YouTube and find vocals only that are pulled out that already have the harmonizing on it. And then sometimes you get lucky and you find a few that have uh, have those separated up a little bit. And so I started the week, this weekend. I got three of them, and I was rolling, feeling good about myself. And then I didn't get back into trying to put any more of those together until Tuesday night when it's now it's 11.15. It'll be Wednesday, April Fool's Day here very soon, and I'm uh, I'm tired, and I don't want to I don't want to put the this together anymore. I don't want to scour YouTube any longer. I am tired, so I'm gonna just stick with the three that I have. All right, I have pulled up the audio. Hopefully, I do not fumble my way through this because I have not really put any effort in this for the last several days. So we're gonna start off with a Fleetwood Mac song, "Go Your Own Way." We all know what that song sounds like, but just in case you forgot, I will pull it up here for a minute. We'll all remember together. And so I was trying to find bands, especially that had women backing vocals with men leads or women leads with men backing, because that's a fun dynamic of how that harmonizing works. And first thing that came to my head quickly was Fleetwood Mac, and this one worked. So we will start with Buckingham, Lindsey Buckingham's uh, solo vocals by himself from Go Your Own Way. You can go your own way. I wasn't able to pull Christine McVie and Stevie Nicks vocals separately, but I could get them just by themselves together leading back in to this Fleetwood Mac song. You can go your own way. You can call it another lonely day. You can go your own way. And there's the first one. Two more to go. One from a band you would expect me to, and the next one from maybe one you wouldn't. Michael Jackson. I got to thinking, he's got he's got a lot of overdubs. If you really start thinking about it, he overdubs the lyrics, or the, excuse me, the vocals quite frequently. There's got to be one or two that are worth taking a listen to. And yes, I was right. Smooth Criminal was the one I would go with on this go-round. Of course, everybody knows how this song goes. And after I listened to it, I realized it's kind of a stupid song. It really is. But it's still MJ, right? Sorry, I'm just taking a slug of gin and tonic here. All right. So we will turn that down, and we'll go to the first vocal from Smooth Criminal. 
as I came into the window was the sound of a crescendo. Nah, he came into her apartment, he left the blood stains on the carpet. Nah, she went underneath the table, he could see she was a neighbor. So she ran into the bedroom, she was struck down, it was her doom. Annie, are you okay? So Annie, are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? So Annie, are you okay? Are you walking, Annie? Okay, so you can hear he's starting, the, the overdubs are happening there. It almost sounds like it's painful for uh, Michael Jackson to sing that song. Let's see. Let the uh, smooth criminal out. Here we go. Annie, are you okay? Will you tell us that you're okay? Nah, tell the sign of the window that he stuck you. I can send you Annie. He came into your apartment. Got the blood stains on the carpet. Nah, I think you ran into the bedroom. You were shut down. It was shut too. You've been hit by. You've been hit by a smooth criminal. King of Pop. One last one to go here, and I'll wrap up the show. Gonna have a tidy little, maybe 45 minute show here or so. All right, so this one I could not find what I was looking for. Uh, Allison Chains, Jerry Cantrell, and uh, Lane Staley had some of the best harmonizing and vocal mixtures you're gonna find from the 1990s. And I was hoping to find more of Jerry and Lane separate and then putting them back together. I couldn't quite find that. Then I got tired of looking, and then I decided it's time to wrap up the show. So not as well-known song from the band Alice in Chains, but it's one of the first songs I ever remember seeing on MTV from their Dirt record, Them Bones. Them Bones of Me. Incredible harmonizing. We're born into the grave. For the last clip here, this is just going to be Lane's dry vocals without music leading into the end of the song. And then we will wrap up the uh, podcast for April 1st, 2020. That's it. That's the show. I appreciate you so much. At Stone on Air on all social media is how you can get a hold of me. If you would like to rate and review either of the podcasts, either the Project 423 or this one, the Stone on Air podcast, I certainly would appreciate it. I don't even know how to do it, so if you don't, then I can't help you there. And as I jokingly say, but it's serious, I wouldn't leave a review or rate on your podcast, so I wouldn't blame you if you don't on mine either. I got to run. Thank you so much. I enjoyed my time at Alt 98.7, but that time is gone. Talk to you again soon.